This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 13th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. When Bob Gunter started Kaloa Rum in Hawaii, he anticipated using local sugarcane to make rum to sell to his fellow Americans. One problem he discovered, selling to his fellow Americans on the mainland incurs massive shipping costs, all thanks to the Jones Act. We spoke this week. Tell us about your company. Well, Kaloa Rum Company uh, was formed uh, in 2006 in Hawaii, and um, the intent was to establish a distillery to make rum from locally grown sugarcane on the island. How long have you been in business? We started bottling and selling rum in September of 2009, so we're just about at the 10-year mark at this point. All right. So when you uh, started doing this with uh, the locally grown uh, sugar cane, did you have any indication that uh, shipping to the mainland would be such an expensive endeavor? Uh, frankly, no, um, and perhaps uh, naively so. Um, it was just something that uh, we had not really thought much about. Obviously, being so remote in Hawaii, shipping is a, a, a major part of our lives. Uh, most everything we consume in Hawaii is shipped in uh, by ocean freight. So obviously, we knew that was out there. What I did not know uh, was the extent to which uh, the cost for that uh uh, shipping the freight in and out of Hawaii would be as expensive um, and as limited in terms of options available uh, would be. And it was really only until we really became established and began selling more and more product on the mainland uh, U.S., uh, therefore shipping product out of Hawaii to the mainland. And our production increased as uh, we continued to grow and expand our business Obviously, more and more input supplies uh, and ingredients had to be shipped in from the mainland. And of course, uh, you know, beginning to look very closely at the financials and uh, and seeing what, uh, you know, what our costs were and how that was impacting our bottom line, we began looking for ways to, you know, to maximize our our profitability. And, uh, and it became glaringly apparent uh, that uh, the cost of uh, freight was a major component to our overall expense of operations. So that is when I really began to look into that uh, more more deeply and really began to you know question you know why our freight rates were so so costly <clears throat> and then you know began to uh, discover, find out more about the the Jones Act and uh, and and essentially from that point it was just putting two and two together. Um, but it really wasn't until uh, after about four years in, after we had been in business for about four years, we uh, received an order for a sizable amount of rum for a retailer in Australia, which was exciting for us and uh, represented our first foray into uh, international markets. And um, and so we worked out all of the details with different labeling requirements and so forth and um, customs and, and what have you. And then, of course, we had to put together the logistics of getting the product from Hawaii to Australia. And then I realized uh, that our options were, were very few, uh, being that there are no direct shipping uh, from Hawaii to Australia. Uh, so the only option was to ship first 
to the mainland west coast, Los Angeles, and then transship from Los Angeles to Sydney. And uh, so we we began uh, scheduling that, setting it up, and and working with our freight forwarders, and uh, and so we we made it happen, uh, but uh, it was it was very costly and very revealing, in that the the cost of freight for sending that twenty foot ocean container from Hawaii to the West Coast uh, cost us, I believe it was five thousand nine hundred dollars, which is about typical. And uh, but then the cost of shipping that container from Los Angeles to Sydney was one thousand nine hundred, so a differential of four thousand dollars, and that hit me like a slap in the face. And I'm I, I remember saying, "This can't be. This is this is uh, you know just must be something wrong." Uh, but no, in fact that that was in fact uh, accurate. Um, so therefore. You know, more than twice the distance that is from Los Angeles to Sydney than it is from Hawaii to Los Angeles, but yet it was uh, $4,000 less, less costly. So, you know, I, I, that to me was the telling of the tale. And, um, and then I was, became more convinced and looked deeper again into, you know, the Jones Act and the impact on shipping in Hawaii. And, you know, realize that uh, we really don't have uh, many options. We have two shipping lines that are Jones Act compliant. Um, and, you know, they essentially have a duopoly and the rates are what they are. And, you know, in fairness to those two uh, companies, um, they, you know, have the, the, the onerous uh, restrictions or requirements uh, that are placed on them by the Jones Act. And that is, you know, of course, uh, they the ships have to be built in the U.S. They have to be crewed primarily by by U.S. citizens, and they have to uh, be owned by U.S. entities. Um, so, it, to, to a certain extent, uh, they have to play by the rules, and uh, and that makes their operations more costly. Those costs are in turn passed on to all of us in Hawaii, not just manufacturers like ourselves. Um, and so, at the end of the day, uh, we pay considerably more for shipping than anyone else would who would you know be able to ship in a non-Jones Act compliant environment. How front and center is uh, the Jones Act for the business community in Hawaii? I, I know that if you're if you need to get inputs to your manufacturing process from the United States, you have to pay to have that shipped to you, and then to move your product back to the United States, you have to pay additionally to to have that shipped to the mainland. So, how front and center is this for? Uh, members of the business community in Hawaii that would like to do to sell products to their fellow Americans. Well, I know for a fact that uh, that shipping and and not only the cost, but uh, the very limited options available for manufacturers and others doing business in Hawaii is a concern, um, and it's something that everyone deals with, uh, you know, on a continuing basis. What I'm my sense is. So that um, that there are few who will at least admit uh, knowing really much about the Jones Act and therefore what the impact of that is on their cost of business. Um, but I've also uh, begun just myself speaking to my uh, peers, my fellow business people in the state, 
um, about it, and I and I'm finding that people are becoming more interested in knowing more about uh, the Jones Act itself, and also, of course, the impact on 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 freight and business, and um, and so I think there's a, a an awakening going on that's uh, really sort of in its uh, embryonic stage at this point, I would say. And I, and I also find it interesting, and, I, and I'll have to say I've lived in Hawaii for 40 years, uh, so um, I, I, I did not know anything about the Jones Act until I uh, you know, got involved with Kaloa Rum Company and, and learned firsthand um, ab- you know, about the cost of, of freight and logistics. And you know, I just began to look into it and then you know, became more um, knowledgeable and aware. So I think that's what's beginning to happen now uh, in Hawaii with uh, with businesses in general. I do know that uh, I've heard often expressed by business people that they're frustrated at not being able to to ship directly to foreign markets such as Japan. And Hawaii has a has a particularly strong relationship, um, both economically and and with the visitor industry with with Japan. And there, there's a lot of interest in, in Japanese uh, companies and, and, of course, uh, residents to buy products made in Japan, uh, made in Hawaii. But there's no, other than air cargo, there's no direct means of shipping uh, to Japan. So, um, you know, when we speak of the Jones Act, um, to me, it's not only just about cost, but it's also about uh, options other than Jones Act compliant vessels. Uh, that would open up uh, markets that are currently not available. Um, but I think there's a growing awareness uh, about the Jones Act. There needs to be a lot more discussion and conversation about it, in my opinion, in Hawaii. And uh, I've sort of taken it on myself I so- to, to sort of speak out and, and, to, and to, to talk to people who are willing to listen about it just so that people are aware. And it's, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, it's not just for my business or the business that, that we're in at Kaloa Rum Company, but uh, it affects all of us uh, in Hawaii, consumers, uh, you know, because 90% of what we consume comes in by ocean freight. So we're all paying a premium, whether we realize it or not. You could have goods shipped from other countries. Uh, it is goods that are shipped from the United States that face these restrictions, right? Um, yes. I, I don't think there's any restriction uh, for a foreign vessel to to come into port uh, and offload goods and return uh, to that, uh, that foreign port. Um, my understanding is that foreign vessels that perhaps sail by, say from Japan, uh, sailing east, they pass close by Hawaii and go on to the west coast and offload uh, much of their goods, they are precluded from picking up uh, goods on the West Coast and then dropping it off in Hawaii on its way back to Japan, which would be a matter of convenience uh, and would offer, again, another option other than the two uh, shipping lines with their schedules being what they are. But the but these foreign vessels are precluded from doing that. Um, but as far as I know, there's nothing uh, that would r- restrict direct foreign market port to Hawaii and return. Uh, I don't think there's a restriction for that. Bob Gunter is president and CEO of Kaloa Rum. 
Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.